This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. you guys are having a good week, please make sure to subscribe, hit the bell. This allows me to provide you more free content. Okay, so today I'm very excited. I have with me Ayday, also known as Black Carnivore. We are going to talk about a lot of things about healing, about carnivore, about the community. So I can't wait for you guys to see our video. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. And today I have with me Ayday Fox. I'm so excited to talk with her.、Um, and so, Ayday, the people that are watching that don't know you, if you could just、uh, share a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, I am the Black Carnivore. I have been doing carnivore since、uh, December. December of 2017. So I'm coming up on my three year anniversary. And、uh, I've just had a, a great healing from starting to eat this way. And so it's something that I really dove into and tried to understand.、Um, I started my social media account on Instagram as the Black Carnivore to just kind of help me document my journey. And from there, you know, really started to gather and build a community. So Uh, so, yeah, I am、uh, the Black Carnivore. I try to create a, a community and a space for you know, any other Black person who's interested in or wondering if anybody else is doing the carnivore diet. And,、uh, and you know, just trying to make information as easy and accessible for anybody who might be interested in more information. That, that's really good.、Um, so, if you could share a little bit about your journey. So, you know, Were you struggling with metabolic disease or something? And then what got you and what、um, had you find carnivore? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. I you know, have struggled with my weight for years and also having allergies and asthma and eczema, though not really connecting any of these things. I just thought these were all you know, just sort of separate problems. And、um, you know, so I struggled for a long time and never, you know, I have things, sometimes things would be more even and sometimes they'd be a lot worse, but I never, you know, really got things、um, really in good control. So that, that was really that was a problem for me. And it was 
I think uh, in 2015, when I finally hit the peak in my weight, and and also not only in my weight, but also just not feeling good. You know, I was exhausted all the time. I had a lot of aches and pains. Um, I actually had some arthritis in my hand, which I was loath to admit. But um, it, you know, there were a lot of aches and pains. And I kind of was like, well, you know, I guess this is middle age. Um, You know, this is what it looks like. But at a certain point, I just decided, you know, I, if this is what middle age is, I want to, you know, I just want to start higher on the hill. So I decided to, you know, really turn around my health and kind of figure out what were the things that I could do to improve. And um, I had done keto years before and had some success with it, or uh, I guess it was paleo at the time. We didn't call it keto. Um, but I'd had some success with it. So I finally decided to do that and I started to lose weight and I started to feel better. And then I was really curious about the science and what I was doing and why it was working. So I spent a lot of time doing a lot of that kind of research and, um, you know, really became captivated by what I saw and, uh, you know, and, and it, it helped me to kind of understand what was happening, you know, make tweaks so that I could improve. And, um, you know, and, and help other people, people, you know, really started to see me succeed. So then wanted to know what, what I was doing and how do they do it? So, uh, you know, I sort of had to become a little bit of an expert in my own circle and my own community. So how much weight did you lose, um, throughout the process? I lost 80 pounds. So yeah, it was, you know, it was definitely significant and, um, and, and during that time, I also had started to weight lift. So I haven't been doing that since. But, you know, my, my body and shape really changed dramatically. And if you look at my old pictures, it's just, you know, it's just nice night and day. Um, but, you know, the, the, the benefits that um, I saw from carnivore, like I had already reached my goal weight um, while I was still keto. Oh, but okay. when I, yeah. Yeah. So going carnivore for me wasn't so much about weight loss as it was about, you know, further healing. And that has been the healing going carnivore has been just dramatic for me. But I don't think, you know, people don't always, um, you know, it's, it's hard to explain that part to people, you know, people see weight loss, they see a number that is different, but you know, they can't really see that you're, you know, have less uh, allergies, or you're not really using your asthma inhaler, or that you're happy. (laughs) Yeah. just generally can deal with life and the yeah. that it presents. Yeah. I think people like to see those kind of like before and after pictures, the, you know, like those inspirations, but there's more to carnivore and any diet and lifestyle change than just weight loss, right? Like the mental health aspect is so huge. And um, I used to always tell my husband, I wish you can go in my head and kind of see the difference and, you know, know what you, you can't, you can talk about it all day long, but no one knows, right? It's not as dramatic as like a before and after picture. Um, so, you know, you talked a little bit about, so you had a little bit of arthritic feeling, um, your maybe some of your mental health, um, asthma, and you said eczema, right? Um, is there, was, were those like your significant kind of healing from going from keto to carnivore? Um, and, uh, well, allergies in total. So a lot of these things improved when I went keto. So it wasn't that I was starting at ground zero when I switched to carnivore. 
um, but they didn't completely resolve themselves. So one of the problems I had before I went keto is I had lost my sense of smell and I was living with a dog at the time um, and I'm allergic to dogs. So I, you know, I mean, I was just completely blocked up, couldn't smell anything. And just even being away from the dog helped with the smell. But, you know, my allergies were just raging and out of control. Um, so going keto helped with that. But I still continued to take Flonase for a long time, not knowing it was a steroid. Um, I took, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, Benadryl and Sudafed and all that kind of stuff. And I was still taking that through being keto. But once I went carnivore, that's really when all of that stuff, like I just didn't need it anymore. I didn't think about it. And I actually put up a post on Instagram uh, not too long ago showing my medicine shelf of my kitchen cabinet. And I had moved all that stuff to a higher shelf because I, I needed more room and then forgot about it. So I was going up there to, to, to make more space and found I had all of this stuff, all of this stuff, and realize how much of it I was using every day for years, how much money I spent on it, you know, all of that. Um, and, and, and now it's all gone. Nothing, none of it do I need to use, including my asthma inhaler. I haven't used that. I have one because it seems, you know, yeah, just in case responsible thing to do, <laughs> but yeah, I haven't used it. That's amazing. Um, I have a graphic in carnivore care. I'll send it to you, but um, it talks about how all medications also deplete you of nutrients. And I think there's one for allergies wow. in there, but I mean, I believe it. It's, um, you know, so while you were kind of medicating one area of a symptom, you're probably depleting your body of other nutrients. And so that's amazing that you got off all that. So how long has it been since you've like used an inhaler or used Flonase? Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Uh, well, it's... So when I first started carnivore, I, I mean, I started sort of randomly. Um, I mean, I had been hearing about it on and off over the years. I think I first stumbled on Charles Washington's blog, like maybe in 2008 or 2009. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I was a member of it for a little while. And, but I just could not wrap my head around like vegetables being bad. And like most Americans, you know, I was making an effort to be more healthy. So I, you know, tried to have kale multiple times and lots of dark leafy greens. And I tried to eat the rainbow. So it was like, I just couldn't like figure out how I could not eat vegetables. <laughs> I know. I get it. I, I get that. Yeah. So I, and I was okay with fruit. Like I could get why fruit, like, you know, once I understood that, you know, it's the antioxidant that makes that color, then, you know, I could just find that color in something that's not sweet and get a lot less calories. So that I was fine with like never eating fruit again. I was like, okay, that makes sense, but not vegetables. No. And then, but over the years, I kept hearing Amber O'Hearn speak every now and then about, about what she had healed from. And I, you know, she's just so, you know, smart and scientific and, and um, you know, just a very critical thinker. And so 
I was just like, if she's finding something of value here, there's something of value here, even if I don't recognize what it is. So I never, you know, completely like shut it out and threw it out the window. Um, and then, you know, but I, um, you know, I was like looking to lose a little bit more weight in the end of 2017. And I came across somebody's blog. It was like, they were talking about the beef and butter fast. And you basically eat like a cup of ground beef crumbles with a couple of tablespoons of butter for, you know, lunch and for dinner. And you do this for three days. And um, so I decided to do it and, you know, and just sort of launch back into keto. And then on day two, I was like, oh my God, I'm eating this way the rest of my life. I mean, I felt amazing. I couldn't believe how much more energy I had and, um, you know, how much, just how much better I felt. And uh, so I, I knew that I, that was it. I was not going to go back to, to vegetables or anything. like. And that. then what, when did your scent come back? Well, so that came back pretty soon, just out moving away from the dog that helped a lot, but it, um, it has never been very acute. But okay. now on carnivore, it is very acute. Like I smell things, you know, down the block, you know, somebody's walks out with like, I don't know, you know, a perfume. And I'm like, I can smell this half a block away. Like I really, um, you know, I taste things and I, I, you know, when, you know, when people say um, like they smell like wine and they taste all of these different notes and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, of course I, I taste the vanilla and tobacco and all that, whatever never could smell any of that. But now like I do, I can smell things and I really can smell the, um, you know, the intense, uh, you know, the very particulars and the fine details of the scent. Um, actually one of the members of my community, her name is, uh, at life junkie, I think it is, or the life junkie. Um, she's a a perfumist. She makes sense. And I'm like, I would never have been able to do that job ever if I hadn't been eating carnivore, because I can't smell anything. You know, what's so interesting is that um, for some people, the scent becomes much stronger. Even for myself, I didn't really have um, like allergies or um, like struggles with, you know, smelling things, but my sense of smell is as strong as when I was pregnant. Um, And I could smell, you know, perfume, like some of it gets me so intoxicated. And it makes sense because a lot of our smell... Um, if we have anything that is kind of toxic to our nose, our, you know, liver and our detox pathways has to clear it. And as we are not eating and inundating our body with junk, our, you know, our detox pathways are a lot more clear. And I think it makes sense why then we can smell a lot more, right? So I, I'm the same way I smell perfume and now it's pretty strong for me. Like it's, um, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit too intense and I could smell all the different, like I can smell if someone has onions, like from a mile away, it drives me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I don't think I was like that before, but now if like my husband has garlic or just certain, you know, like smells, it's just that much more heightened. So I can't imagine for you, like, um, it's fascinating. Garlic was one of the first things to go. So after, when I did that beef and butter fast, there was no spices, nothing. It was just salt, beef and butter. And then I think, and I, I was only supposed to do it three days and ended up doing it two weeks, but, um, cause I just loved it. It tastes good. And so by the, at some point though, I decided, well, let me, let me try putting some spices in. And, and garlic was the first thing I picked up because I always liked garlic and I put garlic in it 
and it was so noxious and bitter and I have not eaten garlic since then. So it's been almost three years and I have no intention of ever eating garlic again. Yeah, I think there are certain people, I think I talk about it in the book. I'm like starting to blur, is it in my blog or my book? But um, there are some people that are highly sensitive to garlic and there's cer- it's certain anti-nutrients. And then there's some people that don't mind it at all. I think I'm more like you. It's just a little bit of garlic just makes me, it's just, it's too intense for me. But some people don't mind it at all. Um, and then some people actually kind of get sick from it. Like they feel bloat and stuff. So it's really interesting. Um, but yeah, it's it's so fascinating to me that, you're mentioning how, you know, just being around a dog um, made you feel better or like getting away from a dog. And now you have a dog. And <laughs> I know, right? you know, that's why when you first said that, I was like, wait, what? So, I mean, that is so powerful, right? So yeah, the yeah. one animal that used to make you sick and you had to stay away from to maintain your allergies yeah. or, you know, your health. Now you have a dog and it's totally fine. And he's like getting in your yeah. jello, right? So, it's so amazing. That's so actually she used to, and it used to be so bad that like, she, this was my mom's dog. My mom passed early this year. Okay. So now she's my dog. But, um, but I would get in the car sometimes, you know, with my mom and, um, and well, Ruby would come up and like say hello and lick my face and wherever she licked, I'd have like a red streak. Um, yeah. So it was really bad. I mean, I was allergic to both the dander and the dog saliva. Um, so, you know, I would never want her to lick me, but that's what she would do. So, uh, it it was definitely bad. So, uh, but going carnivore really just removed all of that, you know, all of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and now I live with a dog and it's not a problem at all. So that's a big deal. And, you know, I like dogs. Like it was kind of like, oh man, I can't, you know, I can't have a dog. Now she is a poodle mix. So she's a little more hypoallergenic. But like I said, I tested when I went to the allergist, I tested as um, allergic to uh, the dog saliva as well as the fur. So the fur part, you know, maybe she doesn't have that, but, you know, I still... I still reacted to her saliva. So, right, um, right. yeah, that's so powerful. Um, so now you do a little coaching, right? So you work with, um, do you work with like new carnivores? Um, I mean, what's kind of your practice if you can tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, so on a broader scale, I, you know, I really just decided to try to document my journey. When I first started, I had a really hard time conceptualizing like what you actually eat in a day. I mean, I know it's like eat animal products, but it's like, what does that look like on a plate? You know, my grandmother said, have a a starch, a vegetable and a meat. So like, if there's no starch and vegetable, like, do I put two kinds of meat? Is there a side of meat with the regular main meat? So I really wanted to just take pictures of what I was doing and let other people see it or critique it or get ideas or whatever. And, um, and so that's kind of where it started. And, um, and then, you know, I decided to start a YouTube channel to, to try, try to help other people because, you know, it really is a lot, I think, to go carnivore. You know, it's, it requires a major, major mindset shift that um, I don't even think you need to do with keto. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so that's why I was trying to create these resources. And then over time, I, you know, I really started to, um, you know, develop a, like a community and, um, and I named myself Black Carnivore because I specifically wanted, if there are any other Black people who were eating this way um, and who wanted to know if there was anybody else like them, that they'd be able to find me. So, 
that's how, you know, many of the people have found me and, um, you know, and I continue to try to create content to create a community for that, uh, for that place. And so, you know, there's just a lot of people in the community who are just starting, they're healing things, um, they're looking for advice, support. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, even though I don't write about it or, you know, uh, I'm not likely to write a textbook on carnivore, uh, I have, you know, spent a lot of time really diving into the science of it all because I find it so interesting. And, I'm, you know, in, in my former life before all of this, I was getting a PhD in anthropology. So, you know, I definitely have an aptitude for doing research. Um, but, uh, you know, so I tried to, you know, make that knowledge available to people in my community who might need help getting started or, or just overcoming some of the more traditional, um, obstacles that we see. And, uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of times too, I mean, we are on virgin territory, so it's one thing to, you know, sort of know the mechanisms, you know, the mechanisms for why something should or shouldn't happen. But that doesn't mean you necessarily understand like what's actually happening, you know, so right. there is a certain amount of like asking questions and just being curious about, you know, what the person is doing and helping them to kind of take a step back and look at the total picture of what they're doing and try to understand, um, make connections between uh, you know, what they're eating, you know, some of their behaviors, sleep and, you know, stress and all of that as well to kind of get a whole picture on what can help them move more, um, more readily towards their goals. So that's kind of what I kind of do is, you know, kind of help people see how do they make carnivore fit into their lifestyle and help them reach their goals while not, you know, not sort of being slavish to a set of rules that you yeah. might see. And I think that's really good. You know, I commend you for all that you're doing. Um, you know, not everyone, like I always say that, you know, if we have kind of like God given talents, we should just use that. And, you know, I don't think I'm the best on YouTube. So I don't make like, I don't put my resources all in like YouTube videos, right, for example, but, um, but I like doing interviews, because I love talking with people and connecting and feeling that connection. Um, but, you know, and so when you are sharing this for community, and like, what makes sense in terms of like your pictures and what meals are and just getting down to really like practical and useful tips. That's really beneficial. And, you know, a thing that we don't talk a lot about in the nutrition spaces, you know, not everyone is a certain kind of color or race or, you know, even like um, economic status. Right. So we don't talk a lot about that and to build a community because everyone is susceptible to metabolic disease. Right. It doesn't matter whether you're white, black, Asian, Mexican, whatever. Um, it, we all get impacted and there's just sometimes the, you know, and like I noticed it, even me entering and obviously I'm not, um, I'm Asian. And so um, there's just a kind of the whole view of nutrition. A lot of times the, um, the, the way that it's kind of depicted is a Caucasian person. Right. But that's not everybody in America. And so we need representatives. Right. So, I love that Jason Fung is Asian, right? So like he's this fasting guru, very respected in the nutrition space. And, you know, and as nutrition is growing, you see other, you know, classes and um, ethnicities. And I think it's so important because sometimes we may watch something, right? Like my mom, for example, if I didn't do this, if I had her just watch like, um, any doctor talk about carnivore, she would say, well, I grew up eating rice, so that doesn't work for me, right? Like, I can't relate to you. 
But if I'm like, hey, mom, well, you know, I'm your daughter and this has worked for my mental health and that's why she really tried it. It's relatable, right? It's this essence of, okay, maybe I can do it too and it can work for me. I can relate to who you are. And so I think it's huge that you're creating a community. Um, You know, we should see no color and all that. But the truth is when people are looking for diets that may work or serve them or heal them, sometimes they want that relatability and it makes full sense. And I think, um, you know, doing that in a space that's not as kind of diverse in a sense. Um, you know, like I applaud you for doing that. It takes a lot of effort and it's a, there's a lot more like climbing a hill than anything. And I think for you to do that is huge. Like you're making, you know, huge impacts and saving so many lives. And I think that's a really important thing you're doing. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, when I first started doing this, um, well, the first thing that I did was, you know, just to create the Instagram account and just to have the pictures and everything like that. And that was really, that was really great. But then it was earlier this year in, um, I think it was like April or May that I started thinking about, uh, you know, after the, the, you know, the illness of our time and everyone being forced onto Zoom. And, uh, you know, once I kind of got used to it, it was kind of like, oh, this is kind of awesome. You know, I, I set up like a family Zoom and we have been meeting, you know, every Friday since March. <laughs> and I've gotten to know um, relatives that I didn't know at all before and brought together, you know, relatives that, um, you know, just would never have known each other. So it, it was a really great. And I thought, you know, why can't I use this for the Black Carnivore community? Yeah. So that's when I started thinking about it and I started reaching out to everybody that I could, um, you know, find that was, uh, you know, a a black person and who uh, had expressed interest in doing carnivore. And um, so I I finally got something scheduled in early June and it was just an amazing experience to just look out on the screen and see all of these black faces of people who were doing carnivore. And everyone was equally amazed, like, oh, my God, I thought I was the only one. And, you know, it's so great to have this uh, community. And so from there, you know, we have set up um, group coaching calls. So three times a week, we have a Zoom call for anybody who needs it. Uh, We have a Facebook group, and uh, that creates another place where people can communicate and, you know, provide each other the support that they need. Um, and I also have a, a podcast, which is where, you know, I'm, I'm going to be uh, um, releasing my um, podcast interview with you where, um, you know, I basically just share testimony because I think um, providing all the science, I mean, y- you know, you are doing that. There are others who are doing that and that's really can be helpful. But in terms of me deciding whether I'm going to do this diet, like, it's going to be, you know, hearing somebody who looks like me, who's like, hey, I did this and it worked, just like you said. So that's what I'm trying to do is just provide this testimony, show people who have decided to do this and how it has impacted their life and uh, wherever they are on the journey. And so, um, you know, I really enjoy doing that and I will continue to do that. Um, as much as I can on the podcast. And I might also, you know, do do more things on the podcast. Um, the YouTube channel, I love doing video. I, um, I really do enjoy it. So it's, it's an opportunity to teach and to, um, you know, to share also my experiences. And so there's two videos. I, I created a series um, called uh, Getting Started on, on Carnivore. And so there's, um, 
the two main videos, short, you know, five or six minutes, which just tell you exactly what do you buy, you know, when you go to the grocery store, what do you eat? And um, what are some of the common problems and the common solutions? And, you know, um, to my mind, the, the, the main things that I see people tripping up on are salt, eating enough, and maybe the stomach acid issues and kind of trying to assist that. And then there are other things that can happen where you might need a little bit more um, specificity, but on your own, that covers like the big majority of it. So I try to provide that information for people and, um, you know, and then just a space where they can get support because, you know, as you talked about, we've talked about addiction and uh, we've talked about sugar addiction and then just the world that we live in. We're living in a world where it is not normal to not eat sugar. (laughs) And at every meal and at every time you buy food, like it's, you can't be guaranteed that there's no sugar in it. So um, I feel like, you know, we need a little bit of, uh, of a community and a, uh, you know, 12 step program because it's really hard. And, and even I, like I bought some mustard and it just said mustard on the front. And when I ate it, it was sweet. There was honey in it. And I was like, why is this not on the label? Like, are we just now expecting mustard to be sweet? Like, but that yeah. is the world that we live in. It is, everything is expected to be sweetened. So, um, so yeah, that's why I created the community. And I think in, um, yeah, I know this is a long-winded <laughs> response, but in particular for the black community, I mean, metabolic disease is, is rampant and it is the cause of the top four reasons that, you know, Americans die. So I, I think it's really important to, to deal with those metabolic diseases. And, you know, the science has, has pretty clearly shown that, um, you know, a ketogenic diet, one where you're burning fat for sugar, uh, fat for energy rather than sugar, can turn around those metabolic, um, you know, diseases and prevent, you know, the major diseases. So that is what I push and I feel that people do best with it when they um, are very strict and they go carnivore. And, um, you know, there are definitely people in our community that swing between strict, moderate, and relaxed. Um, they go back and forth. Um, maybe it's daily. Maybe it's by, you know, a meal. Maybe, you know, it's every once in a while. They'll incorporate things like avocado or olives. Um, but, you know, we um, do encourage you to do a whole foods, meat-based diet. I do strict carnivore, meat, salt, and water at this point. And I do talk about that. So I try to provide leadership for that. But there are people that, you know, want to have a little bit more flexibility. But when once they go strict carnivore, you know, you can never unknow how much better you feel. It's just then a matter of deciding how good you want to feel. Right. I totally agree with that. Um, You know, I think people want to dabble and it, you know, some people just don't want to give up all the other, you know, facets um, of food other than meat. And so I think even us thinking like the give up or I can't eat that, like it's all mindset. And so some people, I believe that really they just have to hit rock bottom to say, you know what, I am going to try full carnivore and then feel and reap the full benefits and then understand from there, okay, do I want to add, you know, any other like seasonings and vegetables, but you have to get to that point, I think, to really know that you're making this conscious effort to add avocados. Um, Some Mm -hmm. people will just never fully give it up and then never know what kind of like that zero carb zen is. Um, But you have to be there then to know. So for me, for example, like, 
when I first went carnivore, I had to give up everything because that was kind of how I got over my sugar addiction. But as I healed and I would, you know, so I would have this high anxiety where if there was any food that had any kind of sugar or or seasoning, I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's going to make me kind of fall back into my sugar addiction. But I'm not at that place anymore. So if there is like, we go to like a barbecue place and there's a little bit of sugar on the rub, like I can eat it. I'd have no issues, but I notice immediately that I don't feel as clean as when I eat pure carnivore. So that's Mm. just kind of where you just have to experience the zero carbs then. And I think then decide if, you know, where you want to be in like kind of the spectrum of optimal health. Like if you're okay being at like an eight instead of a 10, but it's worth it for maybe some of the vegetables, then so be it. Right. But at least experience the zero carbs then, and then kind of, you know, play with it. But there are a lot of people that never get that zero carbs then. And, um, you know, but you know, maybe one day they will, maybe they never need to, I don't know, but it's, um, I totally can relate to what you're saying. Um, but you know, again, like everyone's journey is their own and you know, they, it's just, um, they have to find their own path. So when you are coaching, um, your clients, um, and your community, uh, what are some of the biggest struggles you see? And then how do you kind of work towards, um, fixing those kind of struggles? Well, actually, like I said, the reason I made that video about what, what are some of the common problems and the common solutions, it's because those really were the biggest struggle. Um, and I think particularly in the black community, there's so much high blood pressure and so much stroke that people are really afraid of salt. And so trying to re-educate people on that is, is a big deal. Um, and it's really important because you, you, know, you can't do this diet without eating adequate salt. Um, you're going to feel not only you feel bad, but you know, it's actually dangerous. So trying to get past that for people and, you know, and of course there's a lot of people, I mean, certainly I tell everybody, you got to go see your doctor. If you do this diet, it's going to change how much blood pressure medication and, um, you know, and diabetes medication you're going to need and it's going to happen pretty quickly. So you can't just, you know, um, not deal with that. Right. Um, but there are also so many people who are not compliant with these medications. So it's kind of like, I, I need to, you know, I kind of have to think about those things too, as I'm talking with them. And it's like, you know, if you're not on your blood pressure medica- medication, then you really need to do this because you can't be like, you know, you know, you can't have your blood pressure that high like that anyway. Yeah. Um, but particularly now as, you know, in the state of the world that we're in and, and the, you know, disease that we're dealing with, it is most important for the black community to get the, the metabolic stuff under control because that is actually contributing to the worst outcomes yeah. for, for people who get sick at this time. So, uh, you know, I try to, you know, sort of get that across as well. And, and that is, you know, for our community, it's, it's a really big deal. Um, and many of us have seen, you know, people who have died and it's, it's really been, um, you know, a, a challenge. And I don't know that there's, I don't feel, I definitely am not feeling that there is enough um, uh, respect uh, within the carnivore community for people who have been, you know, who've gotten ill and those who have died. Um, you know, it's a tragedy. It's like what's happening. Yeah. I mean, that's where for me, I think, um, I, you know, work with most people that are sick and that have metabolic disease or have serious autoimmune issues. So it's not about um, if they want to eat something, they just can't because otherwise they will be really sick. Or if they eat a certain amount of fruit or 
honey, they will get sick. Um, and so when all of that information was coming out, you know, that's where kind of I took the stand of, well, I work with a lot of people that have metabolic disease and they don't have the option to do that. Right. But then when they are starting to get fear mongered, where it's like, but you need carbs for thyroid or hormone health, then they're like, okay, well, maybe I need to include a little bit, even though I'm diabetic, because I'm being told that my hormones will shut off. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's just unfortunate that there's like this misinformation out there. And especially it's not really speaking to the bio individual person and just saying this blanket statement of, oh, sometimes it's good to go in and out of ketosis versus like, being a sugar burner. Yep. Well, that may be true if you're metabolically healthy. And I think that is a good thing, right? For optimal health, you want to have flexibility. But if you are like my mom, she can't have it, right? If she does, like immediately at night, she starts like coughing again and like having, and if, if she does it for several days, I've seen it, um, you know, she'll get like the asthma um, signs. And so we have to be mindful of what we preach because it, and we have to be mindful of every single kind of bio individual person. And so maybe put a disclaimer, right? So, Hey, like fruit is, or vegetables are okay if X, Y, Z. Right. And so I know for certain with people that have metabolic disease, um, I don't know if, you know, eating less PUFAs or eating um, certain things will reduce your amount um, or sensitivity to uh, fruits. But I just have a hard time believing that if you incorporate like carrots mm-hmm. or fruit or something, you'll make yourself metabolically healthier in terms of your thyroid health. It's just, I haven't seen it. Um, in my practice, I have more people that are getting off thyroid medication and healing on a carnivore diet than um, people that need to add back carbs. So it's just, right. you know, we, we need to message appropriately, right? So know your audience and give context. Like that's why I like to explain a lot because I like, you need context, right? You can't just say, yes, fruit is good for you. Fruit is good in for some people for some reasons, but for the general population that go carnivore, it's because they were at wit's end where they needed this change, like this extreme. And then to say, you need to add some fruit. I think it's very debilitating and it's kind of damaging. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you are, you know, sharing your message in the way you are. And, um, sharing how like strict carnivore has healed you so much. Cause that, you know, not only are you giving the education and giving you resources, you're also sharing your testimony and that's huge, right? Like to not have a dog around versus now having a dog all the time and being fine, like huge story. Right. Um, so in a day, like what do you typically eat now? Well, I, so mostly beef, <laughs> I love beef. So, um, and I don't really feel satisfied if I haven't eaten it in a day. So there might be a day where I'll have like chicken and I don't know, um, fish and like pepperoni, but I'm not going to feel like I've eaten if, if there's not a burger in there somewhere. So it's mostly beef. Um, so uh, this weekend or Friday night, I ordered out, we, we um, had a hung out with some friends of mine. And because of, you know, I, I'm in New York and Brooklyn and um, because of, uh, you know, all that's going on in the world, um, many streets are shut off so that restaurants can expand into, this, into the streets and people can just sort of hang out like outside, but in the street. 
So my block has been shut off like that for like two months every weekend. And so it's kind of like a, a little fair or festival. It's kind of cool, actually. So I brought some chairs and tables downstairs in front of my house and had friends over and, you know, we all had dinner together and we ordered from a local uh, barbecue place. And um, so I had brisket and, um, and pork belly. And so I, you know, the, um, I, I know that when they smoke stuff, it does require sugar uh, as part of the rub and, um, and some spices and things. So I noticed that I feel a little less optimal after I eat that. Um, and I can definitely feel it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as you say, sometimes it is worth it. But um, so that's less often that I uh, order like barbecue and stuff. And I really don't eat out often at all. Um, because it's just, you know, it's too hard to get enough meat and to get it without spices and stuff. And, you know, so it's just like, uh, and now with, you know, the state of the world, it's just been, you know, I've had no problem just going to the grocery store and just cooking at home. And I don't really expect that to change very much. So that's good. Um, yeah, I feel the same way. Um, whenever I eat out, uh, especially if they cooked with like toxic seed oils, I swear, and you know, my husband thinks I'm being paranoid, but I swear it's like the toxic seed oils on the meats and there's like nothing else, but sometimes I get hives and it's like, I don't get it ever, but, uh, and I'll tell, I'll show my kids and I'm like, look, look at this bump. It's because I had toxic seed oils in the meats. Um, and I try to like, you know, drive the point home that, you know, these toxic seed oils are not good for us. Um, I, I 100% agree with you. And yeah. I, so when I was born, actually, my um, the doctors told my mom I was allergic to soy and to make sure I didn't have formula. And I thought that was crazy because back in the 70s, you know, they, nobody talked about allergies and stuff like that. So for them to have told my mom that at birth, that it, there must have been a pretty significant reaction. And um, so, but years later, you know, soybean oil is in everything. And I noticed that you know, separate and apart from sugar, like if I eat sugar, straight up sugar, you know, it's not good, but my reaction to um, like French fries or things that have been fried in seed oil is so much worse. I mean, my hands really swell up. My eczema flares up a lot. So I do think that they're, you know, separate and apart from like the carb issue and the metabolic stuff. There's something about seed oils that are particularly bad, especially for me. And I, I don't know about everybody else, but for me. Yeah. I mean, they, it definitely kills um, and causes like chaos with your actual cells and it causes inflammation, but it's just toxic in itself. Right. So if you think about it, it, they have to use really, really high heat on these seeds that are naturally not supposed to even be producing oil. And then they capture the oil and then depending on like what quality of oil you get, you may get like the first run where there's like a little bit of oil and then they have another run where they even use even higher heat. So it's even more oxidized. And then they go through processes because some of the oils have like a rancid smell or the coloring is off. So then they bleach it and um, do all these like chemical reactions. And I, I have a graphic in my book about how canola oil is made, but um, there's all these processes that makes it so toxic, even um, beside the fact that they're seed oils. So I think that whole process, it's just, you're eating, you're basically eating chemicals when you're eating these seed oils. And I think that's why to me, it makes sense. Like 
since my body is very efficient at work using foods and, you know, using it for fuel when I'm eating these toxic seed oils, I think my skin is saying not happy about it and I'm going to react and I'm telling you like, stop eating whatever you just ate. Right. And so I don't mm-hmm. like personally eating out that much either because of these reasons, but yeah, it's just, it's- and I think that that oil is everywhere. So even yeah. if you order a steak, it's still, it still somehow gets on the, the steak, even if they put the steak directly on the grill. I don't know. What, what do you think? Um, so I believe, so I think a lot of, I don't think most like steak houses and um, restaurants use grills. They, I think they use more pan. And so when they use a pan, they use the oil. And so, you know, people say, oh, I'll just tell them to, um, you know, I'll carry my own oil and tell them to cook in it and, or I'll take my butter. But where I find hesitation with that is my husband was in the restaurant business for a long time and they will say, okay, to your face and they'll just throw it out. And they're like, I don't care. You'll probably never know it was me, that type of thing. And then also like with butter, depending on how long they cook it, butter can oxidize pretty quickly. You see the flames and then it turns black in the pan really quickly. So I just, it's just, um, you just always run that risk when you go to, um, like a restaurant but what you can say is like hey i have an alert allergy to all seed oils like um i will have a immediate reaction and i might like faint in the restaurant you know something to scare them enough that maybe then they won't use it so i normally now say like i cannot eat the oil so please just cook the meat by itself i don't know if it always works because still sometimes i get you know the hives but um, I mean, that's an option, but I always say like, I'm allergic to flour. I'm allergic to sugar and um, I can't do oil. So I always say that now. I don't know how much it holds in the back, but yeah. 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 yeah well, I feel like too, you know, I've had friends in the restaurant industry and they're like, you can't ask for too many things. Otherwise yeah. you're going to get spit, it spit in your meal. And it's like, oh, yeah. I know. So my husband hates that I complain or I'm like, uh, you know, are all like my steaks overcooked please. and he's like, you're going to get spit in your steak. So he always yeah. says those things to me. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think any, you know, the thing is the reality is um, restaurants are a business and they need to make money. And first of all, they think canola oil is a good thing. Right. So, um, you know, I've been to restaurants where, and I've asked because like, for example, sesame oil is not bad for you if you don't cook it. Right. Like a lot of it's um, in its more natural form. It's not oxidized but it's expensive because it's, um, it's a more cleaner oil um, if you don't cook with it. And so I've asked restaurants, like in Korean restaurants, the barbecue houses, they use the sesame oil. I asked like, is this hundred percent pure? And they've told me no. And so that means that it's mixed with like a cheap vegetable oil, but the scent is so strong. Like you think it's hundred percent, but it's not. And so a lot of restaurants do that. I've asked like those hibachi girls, like, okay, that looks like butter. Is it butter? And they're like, it's a blend. And I'm like, okay, so I'm eating margarine. A butter blend? I'm yeah. So they literally, cause you know, like they kind of have this mound. So they just add margarine to it because that's how you save money. Right. If you were to use avocado oil versus like, uh, you know, like, um, like canola oil, there is like a, I don't know, for every ounce, there's a several dollar difference. And so for restaurants, when they have to buy gallons of these oils, they're going to buy the cheap oils. Um, I know this is really disgusting, but it, my husband made me watch this, uh, my, um, this YouTube video on gutter oil in China. So I know it sounds so disgusting because it is, um, they literally, cause you know, there are places in China that are really poor. So 
but they need oil to do stir fries and you need a lot of oil. So canola oil is considered expensive for them. So they will literally grab oil from the gutters because there's remnants and they'll clean that. They have like these plants that clean the oil and then they'll use it again. And people have been dying because of it. So like the government has been trying to mandate that you can't do that, but people make a living off it. So they literally open the gutter and they pull out oil and then they refine it and they read. I know it's so disgusting and so disturbing. And so my mom was like, I'm never eating Chinese food. How do you make sure you don't get this? I mean, is it making it, is it making it way back into restaurants or just into people's homes? I think it's used in restaurants. And so I, yeah, so, um, yeah, so can't even get, no, I know, but that's how this, like, so that's like a blatant example from China, but that's like the, you just can't trust the oils in any restaurant. Right. So, I mean, that's an extreme, it's so disgusting, but I mean, you know, that's where like money and like, uh, you know, trying to make a profit kind of comes into play and it's so sad. So yeah, that's why um, I don't, I don't even want to use, you know, avocado or olive oil or some of these oils that people say are okay. Cause I'm like, I'm sure they're cut with the soybean oil. I mean, yeah, unless so- I saw some lady, squashing my olives and making the oil you know it's as far as i'm concerned it's soybean oil with uh, olive flavoring well so in um i mean the kind of rule for marketing is you have to put on the ingredients that it's you know blended so you'll see some so like you'll see like olive oil mayonnaise and you're like oh wow like our avocado oil and then you'll see the back and it says like canola oil or soybean oil. And so that's when you know that there's something else mixed. I'm sure there are like 100% olive oils that have a little bit, but if you find the right source, you can get better versions if you can't like tolerate like animal fats, for example. But you're right. I think a lot of oils that are seed oils, you just can't guarantee, right, that they don't have a cut of something else. And I mean, it's cheaper that way, right? So one thing I noticed is we sometimes use avocado oil because the heat, you can high, it's high heat at 500 something. Um, The glass, the dark glass bottle we used to buy, um, now they sell like a double size one because I guess avocado oil is becoming really popular, but now it's in plastic. And my natural thought is, oh, here they're already cutting, right? So um, now I'm more hesitant to use avocado oil. Um, And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so unfortunate, but they put, people like put money over people's health, but it's just Mm -hmm. the reality of the world we live in. And so, yeah, I guess this is circling back to like, if you eating at restaurants, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I try not to. So when my family wants to go out to eat, cause my husband loves eating out. Um, I eat majority of my meal at home and then I'll eat, like, I'll just like nibble on like some meat that they have or, um, yeah, or I'll, sometimes I'll just go and hang out and just order some, um, water and, you know, hang out with them. But um, yeah. yeah, I see it, even I, it in my definitely kids. changed. It definitely changed my relationship with food. And I yeah. kind of had to say, okay, I'm going out to hang out with people and enjoy the experience. Yeah. I'm not going to eat. So, yeah. And that's so important. Um, I think that's such an important mind shift that we need to do, um, with carnivore because a lot, everything socially kind of revolves around food and it revolves around carbohydrate food. So it's really this dialogue. And that's why in the book, I talk a lot about mindset and, you know, changing, like figuring out your why and changing your purpose around community, because people feel like I feel left out. Like I, 
I'm the only one that can't eat carbs. You know, it's like this woe is me feeling, but you have to change that mindset and talk and, you know, you know, power, empower yourself with, no, I know that that stuff is toxic for me. I'm here for the community and that's what matters, right? It's not about that. I get to eat a piece of pie or whatever it is, right? It's, um, it's so important to change that dialogue. And so how did you kind of, how were you able to do that? I mean, that was definitely a process and it was, it, it took a long time and it's still, you know, it's still evolving to a certain extent. So um, but, you know, it really helped me to have community and um, even on social media to have other people that I followed, look at them, seeing other people having success. And, you know, that helped me to feel like I could have a bit more success as well. But once I started the Black Carnivore community and, um, you know, and really started connecting and seeing other people and making friends and people who are real friends that I expect to you know, be friends with uh, like the rest of my life, that kind of friend. It's, um, you know, that really helped to, to solidify that what I'm doing is the right thing. And, and that I have community around me that supports it. So that, that was really important. And, you know, and I've, you know, I've kind of rebuilt my world around that where my, you know, friends and closest associates are, um, yeah, are carnivore. (laughs) Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, They say that you are most like the kind of like four to five people you hang out with. And so if you are so into nutrition and taking care of your health and, you know, you start seeing the world with the different lens, right? And then you're hanging out with people that like to party and, um, you know, with a lot of like crappy foods, it's just, it makes it different. And I, I totally get that. I've kind of gone through that myself. Um, and same with you, like it's been a process, like in the beginning, I used to hide that I don't eat the vegetables. Like I'll be like, I already ate some, I'm just going to eat some meat at the party. Right. But it's a process. And, you know, it takes people like us to keep sharing our stories and educating to then give the courage to other people. Like, Hey, I remember, you know, a day sharing her meal and what she does. And, you know, if she can do it, I can do it too. Like, look at her healing she has a dog now she's lost the weight and she's, you know, thriving. She's not using her asthma inhaler, you know, all those things like that's power that then people can remember when they're in a social setting and they're like, yeah, you know, um, I'm not eating the carbs, but this is more power to me because I know what I'm doing is right for my body and my health. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's why what you're doing is so powerful. Um, so what do you see yourself doing next? Are you, you know, with the, is with your community and, you know, just kind of like what's going on? Well, I definitely want to make sure that we keep the zoom groups going. I think that is incredibly important for creating the support and community. Um, I continue to grow the Facebook community and, um, you know, letting people feel um, confident at having a place where they can express themselves and, and share Um, I just started my Patreon page. So, uh, you know, I always want to create content that's free and that helps people, it helps people get started. Um, But, uh, you know, of course, I I need help to be able to do that. So I started my Patreon page up and encourage people to, um, you know, to come and to support. Uh, There'll be free content there, but also content for, for patrons. And, um, and then I have a newsletter that uh, I encourage people to sign up for just kind of, um, you know, a lot of different information there, uh, going over, um, you know, things that are relevant to our community. 
and uh, and then uh, let's see, all all the different ways: Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Don't contact me on Twitter though. I'm just barely able to to manage the Twitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, and then I do the coaching. So that's what I'm going to continue to do. Um, there are some uh, big, exciting changes for me personally coming up, which I will be announcing um, pretty soon. Okay. But uh, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, everything is good. Yeah. And good. I'll, um, I'll, along. I'll link to everything in the show notes, um, where to contact you and your um, resources and your Zoom. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of, the great stuff that happened um, not too long ago. Um, you know, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, obviously during COVID, there was a lot of um, stuff that happened, right? So like, um, there was just, there's been a lot of like, anger and just um, um, like emotions in the communities, and not just obviously in carnivore. And so I wanted to talk to you about sort of you know, like any backlash you might have received, um, you know, I know Black Lives Matter was a big thing. And, um, you know, some people are for it, some people are against it, you know, we don't talk about it enough. But you know, I know it's near and dear to your heart. So I just wanted to talk to you mm -hmm. about like, um, you know, kind of like open the floor for you and talk about just have you um, in your community received any like negatives um, in the past year? Well, I certainly in the black carnivore community, I, you know, everyone is just like, oh my God, so glad this group is here. So glad to have this support. So, um, you know, and we're picking up people all the time. So, and you know, the thing that's most interesting is that, I, you know, there are so many people who are like, I've been doing this six months, a year, you know, two years. So we were here in the community, just not represented or, or seen. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so I feel like creating the Black Carnivore community is also just an opportunity for us to be seen and to be recognized. Um, you know, well, I mean, this is certainly a problem with so many communities, but, you know, in scientific research, so little of it is done specifically on, you know, women or people of color and, um, you know, on our needs are not put uh, you know, to the, to the forefront. And so that's what I want to do with this community. I mean, I would love to be able to do a study, you know, we have enough people at this point to do a, like an actual study. And, you know, we work closely with another um, low carb doctor who, uh, you know, is, is willing to be like our, our scientific, um, you know, our faculty advisor, so to speak. So, uh, you know, that's something that I look forward to doing. And I think that we will do, but, uh, I, and I do think that there are specific concerns to, you know, that are for black people around health and, and around specifically metabolic diseases that, you know, we need address and we need support that we are not getting from the larger carnivore community. And I had, you know, well, I mean, I put out a video about racism in the carnivore community and talking specifically about my experiences at MeetRx. That was a community I went to because I was looking for to connect with other carnivores, you know, because this eating this way is so different. And, um, and so there I, you know, did not, uh, you know, the experience wasn't great. And when I, uh, as I had mentioned earlier, I had uh, collected so many other uh, black carnivores and heard from so many other people, you know, similar things that, uh, or reasons why that they were really unhappy at MeetRx. And so, 
it was, um, you know, I felt as someone who is now working there as a coach, like I couldn't just, you know, walk away from that and let it go. Like it was, you know, my responsibility as a person who's working there and as Black Carnivore to say something. And, um, and I was really surprised by how poorly, uh, you know, what I had to say was received and, and, um, and just how it was, uh, you know, warped and, um, you know, dismissed. I mean, if a paying person comes to you and is upset about something, like, why is that, why doesn't that matter? <laughs> like, you know, you can take my money, but you can't be concerned about what my issues are. So that was, you know, the biggest thing for me. And, um, and so, you know, I was happy to, to go. And when talking to the rest of the community, they were like, you know, we don't need them. Let's make our own, you know, we can provide our own support. And, um, and it's actually better because it really does address the things that are most important. You know, I think, I mean, I think a lot of times people don't really understand what that means, but like, um, you know, for example, I mean, stress is obviously really, you know, very physically damaging. There's lots of studies to show that, um, that, that stress has a real impact on your physical body. And, uh, and so you, from that, you know, you get lots of recommendations to walk or meditate or, you know, whatever, but those things don't, take away like the real life experience of being, you know, pulled over and murdered by a cop or having this happen to your child or not being able to get, you know, the, uh, the loan to buy a home, you know, all of these things that are, are, are parts of systemic racism that create stress in the lives of black people. None of those things are improved by meditating maybe we have a better ability to, uh, to handle some of the stresses when we are healthier, but that doesn't take away those stresses. Yeah. And so for black people, I think we need to be able to talk about, have a space where we can talk about those experiences and how we deal with them and the, and how we deal with health and stuff in life and how we improve our health, knowing that there are experiences that don't go away. There are stressful experiences that don't go away. Um, and so for us, maybe, you know, living a stress-free life isn't incorporating more um, meditation. It's really trying to pull out the things that fill our bucket so that we are less able to handle the larger amount of stress that we might be facing in our lives. You know, I don't know what that is, but that those are the kinds, kinds of discussions that we can have in the black carnivore space that we're not able to have in a larger space. And I definitely heard a lot of, there were definitely people at Meter X who were like in June who were like, you know, clearly these people are not, they don't have, uh, they, they aren't doing carnivore because they, if they did, they'd have the, you know, the low carb or the zero carb Zen. And it's like, really, you know, murdering somebody in the street, being upset about that, that's me not having zero carb Zen, like really? Yeah. So, yeah. Go uh, ahead. No, I was just going to tell you, I think uh, what you're saying is really powerful because I mean, I know it's not the same thing, but you know, even when I first joined and I don't know if I've ever really talked about this on any video, but um, when I first joined carnivore, I believed so wholly everything that the veterans were talking about, right? Like they must know because they've done it for so long 
and um, I'm going to follow everything to the T. And so like my beginner's guide was based on um, some like science that I like the evidence-based research, but it was a lot of the kind of rules and requirements around how much you should eat and stuff stemmed from them. Right. And but as I did their way, it didn't work for me. So like eating two pounds, um, I, I think I was always kind of pre-diabetic because I was eating so many carbs. And so when I ate that much, I needed a nap after meals and I never had that issue. Um, I just, my energy was just in the dumps and I could have just given up. Right. But I thought, you know what, like I need to figure out because my mental health is all there now. Right. But I just have crappy energy. And so I had to be brave. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, and as I wrote the book, I just started getting more confidence into being like, you know what, like their way doesn't work for me. And it might not work for a lot of people. Um, They have a lot of truth and there's a lot of wisdom there, but just eat meat doesn't work for everybody. Right. And so in that same vein as, you know, what you're talking about, I now work with clients that are really sick, right? That the eat meat just doesn't work, right? That they need some supplementation or some healing protocol to get better. Um, And so, you know, people need communities that they can relate to, right? So like what you're talking about, like getting pulled over and violence, like I don't fear that, right? So like I can empathize with you and I hear your story and how sad that must be, but I can't under 100% understand because I don't get that fear when a cop comes to me right so and that's where when you guys are talking about like your diet and carnivore but also then talking about real life and what you're experiencing that's what builds the community to make um, this diet a lifestyle right so I think what you're doing is so powerful and yeah maybe maybe this was all kind of like God's plan in a sense where you don't have to be part of like meet RX or like just the com- kind of more mainstream ways. And you can just be a community that, you know, so desperately needs a leader like you to then um, have them thrive in, you know, in a world that you guys understand, if that makes sense. And I think I do that for a lot of eating disorder people. So a lot of people come to me for disordered eating because, you know, somebody that has never struggled with an eating disorder and has just um, come to carnivore because of diabetes, let's say, they're not going to understand the mindset of like, just stop eating carbs, right? Like if you have a binge disorder, it's a lot more difficult than just saying, just stop. Like mm-hmm. it takes someone almost that is that had that illness to understand. You don't understand the, the nightmares in my mind, right? Like I'm sitting here happily smiling, but in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, should I eat that? Should I just have a cheat day? And you're having these racing thoughts and no one's going to get you like someone that has struggled with it, right? Or has lived it um, or has worked with a lot of people and studied it. Um, And so that's why I think maybe the divine thing was that you're supposed to create this group and build a community that people get it, right? And so um, like, I'm really glad that you, instead of just kind of being sad about it and not doing about it, it just empowers you to be like, you know what? We're gonna make our own community and um, help people that really need to be helped. It's not about this person or that person. It's unfortunate these things are happening and, you know, but build your own community and make your voice stronger and then be heard that way. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about divine intervention, but, um, you know, it was, I, you know, it was the right thing for me to do to, uh, you know, really try to found this community and to provide the support for people who really need it. Um, 
And, you know, and I, I hope that more people see this and continue to learn that there is another option. I've had so, so many people reach out and say, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, how much racism, how much, um, you know, negative talk there is in this community. And I, it, you know, and they tell me they left, you know, they just stopped following carnivore stuff at all. And maybe they walked away from the diet, maybe they didn't. Um, and that's sad, you know, because it's just another person that's going to be struggling, you know, with their health or their weight, you know, for much more of their life. So, I, you know, I'm glad that I could create a space where, you know, people can feel more comfortable consuming this information. But, you know, I think that also, I mean, you know, the nice thing about YouTube and social media is like anybody can talk and be heard. But then the bad thing about it is anybody can talk and be heard. And um, I take very seriously what it means to be a leader. I think that you have to be responsible for the things that you say. You have to know that people are paying attention and following what you do. And, um, and so, you know, you have an outsized impact on other people. So you have to be, you have to be really thoughtful about how it's going to be received and who is hearing it and what their circumstances are. And, you know, and like you, like I'm seeing clients, so I'm seeing people who are sick, you know, I'm not seeing people who are just looking to, you know, just optimize, maybe add 10 years to their life. So for those people, you know, things that are wrong, it's like, oh, well, you know, so 80, 88 instead of 89. But, you know, for the people that I'm talking to who need to lose 100 pounds, who are waiting to you know, to have knee replacement surgery until they lose some weight, um, you know, who are struggling with, uh, you know, acid reflux or, you know, brain um, disorders uh, or, uh, you know, mental health problems. Like these are, these are urgent concerns that yeah. really need help. And so playing around with those people's health is, uh, you know, I, I think is wrong. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, this is like, I just, yeah, it's just something about social media. And you have to think about the core of social media where, you know, it's somebody decides to come out and share their story or become popular. And so sometimes the it's not about the people, but it's about the self trying to, you know, become famous. I don't know. Um, and so it's hard. Um, it's really hard sometimes to distinguish between people that have, you know, the people's heart at mind versus like, just trying to be popular or monetize or I don't know what, but it's, yeah. I mean, I see a lot of it behind closed doors because I mean, I work with a lot of these influencers, but it's just, um, it's hard. I mean, it's personally even hard for me. Um, I don't share, like, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, a lifestyle blogger, right. I'm not talking about my life. I'm more about education. So I can see more than maybe like the average person. And it's, it is heartbreaking sometimes and I get really upset about it, but I'm not here to change social media. You know what I mean? And so I try to keep my truths, but you're right. There's um, I definitely think people should have like social obligation, but I think a lot of people don't. And that's just the sad reality of it. Um, but it, you know, the goal is that there will be people like you and me that can speak truths and hopefully then people see, you know, can distinguish, but um, you know, that's really, I guess up to the audience to figure out, you know, like what works for them and what doesn't. I know some people don't always agree with me with supplementation and that's fine. Um, you know, there is a place for it for certain people. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just people have to find what works for them and not just 
like idolize someone because they seem so smart or they seem like they know what they're saying, right? So they say, do this and then do that. Cause I see that a lot. I have clients that so-and-so said to take this supplement or take this out of their diet. And so therefore they're doing it. And I, and I'm like, I asked them like, why? Like, do you have a sensitivity to it? Are you deficient in it? And their answer is, I don't know. I read it and it made sense to me. Right. And it's just, yeah, you know, it's just, I know I've got a, a you know, a closet uh, or shelf full of supplements too. They're just gaining, you know, dust, dust like bone yeah. meal powder. Like, yeah, we don't need we don't need supplements um, in the long term. There are some people that have gut disease that may need it in the interim to kind of heal. And um, but in the long term, that's where meat is really its beauty is right. So as you heal your gut and you can absorb your nutrients, the meat that's when your meat if you're eating the right amount and eating enough and having a good amount of fat, like that's where the magic is with meat, right? So you yeah. don't need excess supplementation. Let your body do its magic. Um, even like with the electrolytes, we don't need to be taking electrolytes long-term. Uh, we definitely need a salt and that's a huge, you know, education piece, but we don't need to be taking electrolyte drops and powders. And I get all my clients off them because majority of them are on some magnesium, potassium, um, sodium blend. And I'm like, why? Right. Like let your body find its balance. And so they end up just having some salt and maybe some magnesium spray here and there, and they're not on anything. Wow. I got to follow up with you on that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'll let you know. you know. That's still important. Yeah. Um, so that's super helpful to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have this whole thing on um, electrolytes in the book, but yeah, I'll, um, I'll share with you. But I mean, the goal is really like, your body has levers for everything. So I'll tell you just one thing about sodium and potassium, but there's a lever for sodium and potassium. It's a pump. And so depending on how much sodium or potassium you have in a specific cell, the pump will go either way. So it'll let sodium out or it'll let potassium in. And obviously there's other things that will impact that. But the thing is your body's like primary electrolyte it wants to save is sodium. So if you are pumping an excess potassium in your body, you may be actually deficient in sodium and you're just masking it with potassium. The other thing is if you don't have enough sodium in your body, your body will first like throw out the magnesium and potassium, but it will do everything it can to save the sodium. So maybe you're not really deficient in magnesium. It's that you're deficient in sodium. So for me, I'm always like to my clients, take the salt. Like, I mean, so first I have them transition with like maybe some Soleil water in the morning. So just a lot of salt water in the morning. It doesn't even have to be um, pink salt. It could be any kind of salt you like. And then have that in the morning, let your body kind of rebalance without any electrolytes. And then like at night, use magnesium spray, spray it on your calves so you don't have any deficiencies. And then potassium will normally balance out with those two. You don't want to really um, supplement with potassium because there is a risk of excess potassium in your body and it could be very dangerous. Um, and a lot of people are normally deficient in magnesium. So if you do those two, eventually your body should balance out. You won't get like the leg cramps, um, the muscle weakness, and even the heart palps, like use the magnesium spray and let your body find its own balance. Because if the more you use electrolyte, um, exogenous electrolytes, the more your body will never find its balance because you keep introducing other um, nutrient or electrolytes. And mm -hmm. then like one day of um, removing it, you'll feel like the muscle cramps and the weakness, right? Because all of a sudden your body's like, where is it, right? I see it all the time with my clients. 
we, I have like tests that they run and um, in their questionnaire, it shows that even though they're supplementing with all these electrolytes, one of the biggest things they're deficient in is the electrolytes. And it's because I think the body is not finding its own balance. So the number one thing I always recommend with my clients is get off the potassium, stop taking the magnesium. You can until your spray works and it starts helping, but let your body do its own thing. I use zero electrolytes unless I need to, I'm fasting, which I haven't been lately, but I don't use anything. I use salt. And once in a while, if I feel like a muscle cramp is going to come on, I'm like, Oh, I'm probably deficient in magnesium. So I spray some magnesium and it's done. That's it. Okay. So yeah. the, and the spray is something, do you make that or you order it? You can make it. Um, I have a, like a, like a quick DIY um, online. Um, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but, um, or you could just buy it. The spray is like $12 and it lasts you I, like, ser- even if you use it every day, I think it could last you a year. And, and what it, about like taking an Epsom salt bath? I do that yeah, pretty often. Okay. So that's similar. So basically what I like to call the magnesium bottle is like Epsom um, salt in a bath. Now, some people are um, allergic or like sensitive to sulfur. And so my DIY magnesium will allow you to make one without sulfur in it. Um, but basically that's the same thing. So if you feel benefits from the Epsom salt bath, definitely do the magnesium spray. It's like, the I mean, same. I just enjoy sitting in a yeah. Cool, hot water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That too, for sure. It's super beneficial, but magnesium basically allows your muscles to relax. Right. So that's how after like a warm bath, you'll feel relaxed. And so, um, if you just use the spray, it'll help your muscles relax. Like sometimes heart attacks can be because you don't have enough magnesium. And so your heart wasn't able to relax and it causes that. Right. So you can't really overdose on magnesium. The reason why magnesium spray works so much better than any magnesium you consume is because it goes directly through the skin, bypasses the digestive system and goes into the blood. And so that's why it's proven to help so much. There are so many people that reach out to me on social media about leg cramps at night. And I say, use a spray and it works, right? They use like the magnesium, the potassium supplements, and it's just it's all just a waste of money. Like you f- help your body find its balance with the electrolytes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What about in the beginning when you're first switching from like, you know, a sad diet to keto? Yeah. So that's where maybe like, I still don't, I'm not a fan of the potassium. So I have clients that really wholeheartedly believe it was the potassium. So they started adding, um, they started adding um, avocados because avocados has magnesium and potassium. They started taking potassium citrate, I think. And they still have all the heart pops, the leg cramps. And so in the beginning though, um, if you want to take like the LMNT, the keto chow, any of those electrolyte drops, that's fine. I think it'll help balance um, a little bit easier because you are having an um, imbalance all of a sudden your glucose molecules are releasing. And so you're releasing a lot of water. The electrolyte imbalance is very real. So in the beginning, yes, if you want to use some drops, that's fine. But as you are like maybe three months acclimated, at least, um, then maybe just try the salt waters in the morning. So maybe have Mm -hmm. like a big cup of salt water. And then, um, but even you should get off that. So like, that's like the kind of baby step transition. And then after that, like, like, I literally do not drink any of that in the morning, I drink water. And then Mm -hmm. um, if I, if I sweat a lot, or if I, um, you know, move a lot, or I haven't been drinking enough, that's when, or if I drink a little bit too much water, then maybe I'll add a little bit of salt, but I just Mm -hmm. heavily salt my meats and that's it. Yeah. I find that uh, water tastes better when it's salted or has a little bit of salt in it. So uh, especially um, like sparkling water, like I really like it. 
with salt in it. So I, I'm probably leaning in more there. I don't know if that's just an indication, like I just have a greater need of salt or, or what? Um, so it can be, uh, so the way that our pH is in our body, if you add a little bit of salt, it actually can probably better absorb. So this is one thing I think I wrote in the book is like, when we drink purified water and all those like reverse osmosis water, the water is kind of dead. And so when you're drinking it, your body, because of the pH is all like it's off or, you know, the water is dead, you know, all our body is like just a bunch of chemical reactions. So that dead water. So when you're drinking like this, I think Dasani actually adds some minerals back, but when you drink like purified water um, and it's literally dead with no molecules, or with no like of those minerals, you're, it'll leach it from your body to balance the water. So right. it actually steal, instead of hydrating you, it actually steals electrolytes from your body. So it's just really wild. So that's where I think salt, adding salt to water can actually hydrate you better because the kind of absorption of it is actually better for you. Okay. So maybe, um, well, so I guess I wonder, it depends on where you are, what your tap yes. water is like, whether you maybe need more or less um, of the electrolytes added to them. Yeah. Um, it depends on your area, but I really think if you were to just start, if you first, you know, go low carb, um, if you want to use some of the electrolytes, that'll help, but make sure to mm -hmm. get enough salt and, you know, the switch from a normal standard American diets, amount of salt versus the salt we eat now, it's different. It's a big mind shift change. Right. Um, and so we need to do that, but a lot of people aren't used to that much salt. So they're like, Whoa, it's a lot of salt. It's really salty. So I think maybe initially use some of the electrolytes, then as you progress, you know, try the salt in the morning, but the, I think the magnesium spray will help a ton. And then as you, gotcha. it, as you, you know, as time passes, the goal is really like by six months, you should not be using anything. If you are clean carnivore, if you are like having weekends where you go back to the standard American diet, it's going to, you will have to keep recalibrating that homeostasis. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Good to know. <laughs> Let me know if it works. I mean, uh, yeah, I've seen yeah. Uh, huge shifts for people in terms of this. Yeah. Well, I, I, so for me, hydration is something I like always struggle with. And when I try to fast, it's like, that's the first thing that's a problem for me. And in fact, I've dry fasted because it's easier oh. to drink nothing and, and the hydration stays the same mm -hmm. than it is to drink water through it. Cause then I just, I never stay in the right place. And I Got always it. get, I, I don't even know what the problem is. It's either too much or too little. I don't know. The rule of thumb with hydration is typically like half of your body weight or half of your ideal body weight in ounces. So if you're like 150 pounds, it should be like 75 ounces. And then if you drink like coffee or any other diuretic, it's another one to one and a half ounces. So if you drink eight ounces of coffee, let's say, then it's another eight ounces of water to 12 ounces of water more. So it is a lot of water. Um, it's hard for me to even drink a lot of water, but um, we need to, especially since we're not eating meats that have a ton of water in it, right? So vegetables, can you can get away without drinking a lot of water because like celery is a lot of water, right? Watermelons have a ton of water in it, but meat doesn't have it. And so that's why I think some carnivores especially the veterans like they can look kind of dried out it's maybe they're not drinking enough water um 
I, I really stress water with my clients. Um, you know, you need to make sure now don't guzzle it all at once. That's a taxation on your kidneys, right? Like you don't want to have your kidneys like flush out 12 ounces of water all of a sudden you want to kind of sip it through the day. Yeah. Okay. I know it's hard. What, you know, it's, it's a mind shit habit change. What you can do with some of my clients I do is get a new water bottle and then have it by your desk. And then it reminds you like, you know, you have to drink three of those in a day. And so you know, since it's right in front of you, it's like, you know, in your mind and then you'll do it. And so just sip it through the day and then make sure to just get through three and having that kind of new object in front of you, maybe a reminder and it'll kind of shift the habit. Yeah. I, that's, I'm sure it's super helpful for, for most people, especially those who struggle, struggle with getting enough water in. Um, yeah. So, wow, you are a wealth of information. So I assume all of this is in your new book and I can look there and find yeah, it. Um, yeah, I definitely talk about water because it's so important. I, there's a part of hydration and how you should hydrate a little bit um, earlier than bef- when you work out. Like you don't want to hydrate right before you go work out because it's not going to get to your cells fast enough. You should actually like drink 30 minutes before. Oh, another way to really get your electrolytes um, in the beginning and assuming you don't have any gut health issues is Uh, bone broth bone broth is a huge way you can do the proper electrolyte i totally forgot about that but yeah yeah all of this is in the book i mean i really try to um cover these like common faqs and there's a whole faq section in the book too so nice yeah excellent so um you know what what would be your advice for those watching you know as we're concluding i know we talked about so many different things like what are some you know what is something you'd you know want for the community to know or, you know, learn about you? Um, well, I mean, I think really the most important thing is I, I really care about doing a, a carnivore diet and helping people to get healthy. Um, you know, I certainly suffered uh, a long time with my weight and with my health and like, and, and to discover that it was all unnecessary None of, I didn't have to go through any of it. That, that really sucks. And I'm hoping to save anybody else is, you know, save them from years of struggle and ill health when, when they don't need to. And, you know, I have so many family members and people that I can see just need to do this diet and are not ready to, don't want to, are too addicted to sugar to be able to do it. So, you know, my, my goal is really just to provide a place for people who are, if they're willing to give it a try, to have the support that they need to do it. And, um, and that's what I'm committed to doing. So I welcome new people to the community. So come on in. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, follow me on YouTube, find more information about, you know, how to get involved and how to, to get the support. And uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, I'll have again, all your information in the show notes. And um, is it like a specific zoom dial in that people can join your call? Or is it like you, have to you get up? that? You get the information once you go through uh, the Facebook groups, you have to oh, okay, join okay. the Facebook group first. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll get all the links for that. And then you know, people can join. But thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you know, this has been sure. really fun. And you know, like I I want my channel to just be honest and um, just share. And so, you know, like I appreciate your openness and just being real and, you know, being who you are. So thank you. Thanks a lot. And thanks for having me on. It really has uh, been wonderful. And I'm excited to get to meet some of your followers and, and for you to meet mine. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. All right. Great. Bye. Bye.
Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed the video. I hope you guys learned a lot about Ede and the community that you may not know as much about. All right, guys, you know the drill. Make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because this is the only place you have to live. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.